0: I'm, 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 I'm all right welcome back to Sang second sports it's game week so what does that mean That means you have two pods this week, double the pleasure, double the fun, getting ready for BYU. Um, I am John Schofield, uh, host of Sing Second Sports. Joining me as always is Ward Carroll, co-host, and our special returning guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. So this will be our last pod before game day. Um, I'll put in another reminder to everyone from six to seven on game day. We are going to have our virtual tailgate, our virtual happy hour featuring our drink of the week by Dry 85. Um, More info on that as we get closer to Monday night But from 6 to 7. Check it out. We'll send out a Facebook Live link. We're going to have a lot of great guests. So please join us. But without any further ado, I think that... Being that this is the last pod before the game, let's talk a little bit about what we expect. Let's go to the person who knows the most about this stuff, Bill Wagner. What do
1: you think? Well, this is going to be a tough opener for Navy. I mean, he, you uh, normally open against Holy Cross or some other football championship subdivision school and kind of, you know, warm up to a tougher opponent. And this year, you're going right into a quality program like BYU which has a ton of tradition and ha- they they have talent. I mean I'm I'm talking to the navy coaches Kenny Amatololo, Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, Ashley Ingram, the running game coordinator, Ivan Jasper, they're all saying the same thing. BYU has NFL caliber t- talent. The biggest concern is they say that the both the offensive and defensive lines for BYU are veteran, they're huge. And each of them has a projected NFL draft pick. So it's going to be a challenge because we know the football games are one in the trenches. And another element, which we've brought up before, is that Navy has been very limited in contact, whereas BYU has been hitting the whole time. They they've taken a different approach. Ken Niamatololo has been very, very careful in terms of interactions of his players because he didn't want any spread of the virus. And if one player tested positive, he didn't want to have to take out multiple starters because they've been going against each other in practice. But BYU has been going good on good, as they say, starting unit versus starting unit. Um, BYU has a great quarterback, very talented quarterback, and, uh, you know, some weapons. Now they lost their tight end, a very, very talented tight end who, you know, if he also is kind of considered NFL caliber. His name's Matt Bushman. And Coach Nehemiah, before it was announced that Bushman was going to be out for the season due to this injury, was very concerned about the matchup problem Bushman created. So that's one issue that's not going to concern Navy now because Bushman will not be playing. But, yeah, this is a challenging opener, John. I mean, it's probably one of the more challenging openers Navy's had in quite some time.
0: Yeah, I, I saw the news on Bushman's injury and, and you know, I had heard the comparisons, you know, and sort of like a lot of the Iowa um, tight ends that come out into the draft, like the Hawkinsons, the Noah Fants, the stuff like that. And BYU, you know, and, and I'm going to speak from my personal experience living in Utah. BYU and Utah are often the benefactors of the fact that a lot of their players go away on two year missions. And then they come back and they're two years older. They're two years a little more mature. They're two years a little more developed physically. Um, so you do have a lot of cases where you've got seniors on the BYU football team who are like 25, 26 years old. Um, now sometimes that helps and sometimes it hurts. Um, you know, I, I know for a fact, uh, for the basketball team, it used to always help them. Um, but for the football team, we'll see, and and this will be an interesting experiment to see, you know, with this new head coach, um, how they come out of the gate and, and how they play, you know, both army and Navy are going to get a look at BYU this year. So we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. Um, you know, for me, I, I, you know, I've, I've been studying it for, for multiple weeks now, ever since BYU was, was announced. I, I I do think that it's a tough road trip for BYU. I would not want to be a team who has to play a roadie the very first game after you've been quarantined and sequestered at home for almost the entirety of the last six months. Um, you know, so that is a. I think that is the X factor to 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 uh, favor Navy in this game, and that you know, Navy Navy only has to walk across the street. Uh, BYU has to deal with all of the logistics and the mess. Of getting here, getting in the hotel, getting tested, doing everything, um, things that maybe that I don't think is going to have to deal with. So with that in mind, I am going to predict a high-scoring affair, which is atypical of first games of the year because usually teams are you know, trying to get their offenses on track. But uh, I'm going to go with a 34-24 to 24, uh, Navy victory with, uh, with uh, Dalen Smith shocking the world with two touchdown passes. What's your prediction, Wags?
1: Well, uh, I was checking out the odds, by the way. Uh, somebody asked me who's favored in this game, and I hadn't had a chance to go look. And Vegas, most of the odds makers have Navy as a between a 2 and 2.5 uh, point favorite. So uh, Vegas, I don't go against Vegas. Those guys, they do this for a living, and they usually win. So I'm going to guess it's going to be a little closer, John. I do believe it'll be high-scoring. Just by the nature of the two teams, I think each will have any trouble stopping the other's offense. How about 34 31, uh, Navy just barely beating the spread, uh, but winning the game? Real quick, uh, I, I said the BYU quarterback, his name is Zach Wilson. And one other thing the coach has mentioned about him is that he is very, very good. He's very mobile, and he will roll out of the pocket and cause problems. He likes to throw on the run. Uh, once he rolls out, he's a threat to run and or pass. So that uh, Zach Wilson kid's pretty good. Yeah,
0: I think they're going to have their hands full um, you know, across the board, but I do think, I do think that they will answer the bell. So yeah, you know, th- let's get to the logistics of it all. So yeah, you know, the the moving the chains portion of this whole thing, we talked about how no fans, we've talked about how there's no mids. Um, Ward, I assume you've received your COVID test and you are good to go to, to man the chains and, and perform your role at this game?
2: Well, so actually, um, there are some learnings around the COVID test. We've been interfacing with the conference to figure out the timing of the COVID test. Um, so I will be taking my second COVID test tomorrow morning, first thing, um, along with everybody else. So there was some confusion at the outset about when were we supposed to take it? Um, and so now that's all been cleared up. And so all five of us will be taking it tomorrow morning first thing, getting it to a FedEx location uh, or arranging for pickup and, and getting it out to California uh, for this company third party to be able to do the, uh, the test and, and get the results. So my understanding is each one of us will find out if we're positive or negative. The league will only find out, the conference will only find out if we're positive. Um, so I don't know what, what form this is going to take or whatever else. Um, it's getting real in terms of uh, the the equipment. We got our box of stuff from Under Armour. Um, remember, I was asking Bill Givens about that. and. Uh, you know, uh, I I measure my seasons by how cool the box of swag is. Oh, um, uh, the this shoes year, were sick. Oh, this this year is pretty pretty Gucci. Um, and so we got like a waffle weave winter jacket. We've got a pullover. We've got some cool golf shirts. We got the Under Armour khaki pants. And then, like you've said, John, the the highlight. Uh, and I have all my shoes from every season. This is the best. I mean, these things they're they're called hover. H O V R is the acronym. Um, and there's some technology that's supposed to be, you know, energizing and, and, you know, they feel like you've got these cool little indentations in the, the, the heel pad and all this other stuff. Um, and I just love the look of them, you know, and, and so, um, very, very nice. Now we're not wearing, um, anything but the shoes. Everything else is, is, uh, aac aac provided gear including and this is anathema to n triple a but the shirts we wear are adidas not under armor um and then we wear ref pants the the black pants with the white stripe and we have aac caps but as it gets colder we wear our under armor you know n provided gear um and uh you know, the, the guys who are on the chain gang have been on the, on the chain gang for some years now. So we have quite the wardrobe at this point. Um, so as we were talking last show about, it feels surreal. And I will know when I get there, um, some of the stuff is showing up, that including my uh, laminate for, for on-field on, on access. Um, so it's feeling like it's going to happen, you know, and, and uh, that, that, that raises my spirits.
0: I can already sense you're going to shoot a number in the low seventies with those new hover shoes. So
2: I am not going nowhere. (laughs) No, I am not going to wear those on grass. No way. These things are cherry. Uh, Hey, so Wags, I know you
0: had a question for Ward.
1: Well, I was going to chime in a little bit about the, uh, you talked about how they're going to operate this game in the COVID environment. Well, there are a couple of interesting things. Number one, Navy pretty much dresses everyone for a home game. I mean, you can be on the scout team and get allowed to dress so you stand on the sidelines because they want those young guys to experience the environment and be there and, and uh, you know, know what it's like on the sidelines with their teammates, kind of really experience a game day at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Well, Ken Niam- Niamatololo said that that's not going to happen this year. They're going to have the bare minimum roster necessary to play a game. And pre- anybody who's not in in the focus to play play in the game is not going to be there. So they're not going to dress anywhere near as many people as normal. Um, secondly, he was talking about, you know, pregame, both teams are on the field warming up and you know the coaches are always interacting. The, you know, Nehemiah will usually, you know, talk to the opposing head coach and uh, assistants will talk to, Opposing assistants say, no, none of that's going to happen. They are taking great pains to make sure there's no interaction to the point when the game is over, they are not going to shake hands. They are going to both leave via their own sidelines. So there's going to be great pains taken to have no interaction between the two squads other than on the field during play.
0: Yeah, awesome perspective. Um, you know, appreciate hearing uh, from WAGS and from Ward about, you know, people don't think about the small stuff that happens to to get these games together. The Chris Whitakers who are working on the video board, you know, what's she gonna do? Do they still operate the video board during this game? You know, a chain gang with really no, uh, you know, no defense in depth, perhaps, if someone gets hurt. Um. How are the referees doing this? Um, there are a lot of small things that I think we're going to learn a lot from uh, as the season goes on, and hopefully, you know, we we never have to deal with stuff like this again. But um, awesome discussion. Yeah, you know, we're going to head to break uh, when we come back. Wags is going to break down the offensive lineman position, and then after that, we're going to talk to Pete Medhurst, the voice of Navy football, about what he expects to see on Monday night. So stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. The Sing Second Sports podcast is brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Spirits, located in downtown Annapolis and owned and operated by Jen and Jerry Donahoe, class of 1994 at the U.S. Naval Academy. Mills is excited to announce the semi-annual sale starting Labor Day through Sunday, September 13th. You can save on mixed cases of wine for a discount of 25%. You can get 20% off all spirits and 15% off all beer you can also get other discounts on low stock items call 410-263-2888 or text in order to get more information or place an order or you can email mills at info at millswine.com again that addresses info at millswine.com or just check them out online at millswine.com the semi-annual sale is amazing so check it out All right, so we're back and um, we are breaking down uh, yet another position group this week. And really, what I believe and what I know Bill Wagner believes was the strongest position uh, for Navy last year, and that is the position of offensive linemen. Um, You know, usually, you know, everyone's heard this story that, you know, Navy doesn't recruit big guys, 300 pounders getting drafted by the NFL. These are smaller guys, quicker guys, hard nosed guys who are really making it happen and allowing the Jamal brothers to, to break into the open, the, allowing the Malcolm Perrys to have great seasons and great careers. So Wags, without any further ado, uh, tell us a little bit about this position this year. How's it gonna change? And really, how do they rebound from something so utterly tragic as, as losing, losing Dave Forney?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one, John. Uh, it's hard to even talk about David Forney. First and foremost, let's just say that the Navy offensive line is the key to the triple option. You can have great skill position players. You can have an outstanding quarterback, explosive fullback, and lightning-fast slotbacks. But if the offensive line's not creating holes, there's nowhere for these guys to go. So last season was probably, you have to say, based on the results, 11-2, and and the statistics, which was – a Navy record for rushing, average rushing yards per game. This was one of, that was one of the best offensive lines in Navy football history, at least during the triple option era. And they lost three starters from that unit. You mentioned David Forney. He was the first team All-American Athletic Conference selection as a guard. Um, And we lost David due to a heart ailment. No one will know for sure what happened, but Uh, that is something I'm sure this offensive line this year is playing for David Forney, but in addition to David, uh, Kendall, Wright, the left tackle who played alongside David and was his best friend has graduated and Ford Higgins, who was really the emotional spark, the, the energizer bunny, the leader of the offensive line. He also is gone. So they have to replace three fifths of an offensive line unit. Um, Good news is they have a nice building block on the right side with Billy Honeker, the right tackle, who you mentioned was just voted a team captain, and Peter Nestrowitz, who is the right guard. And those two were playing at a very high level toward the end of last season. Honecker was a second team All-American Athletic Conference selection. So he he uh he was recognized for his solid, consistent play. Um Nestrowitz is oh they've always said good things about Nestrowitz, just a really savvy, smart player, and very good athlete. Um, now, we found out today in talking to Ashley Ingram, who's the running game coordinator, and he works specifically with the guards and centers, but he has a, a, obviously a great handle on the all, all, entire offensive line. He nailed down two starters. They, Justin Self is a veteran guy, a senior. He's primarily been playing tackle during his career at Navy. They moved him to center to replace Ford Higgins, and He's pretty much taken that position by the reins and uh, he is definitely the starting center and they're quite pleased with the progress of just himself. And they believe that he, he will be a strong part of the line. They also announced today, Ashley Ingram announced that um, Luca Fradiani has won the job at left tackle. He is a junior um, and uh, Coach Ingram called him very athletic, very physical, high-motor type of player, but he beat out a senior, Kurt Stengel, for the left tackle job. Stengel will now serve as the primary backup at both left and right tackle. And the left guard position is going down to the wire. It has not been decided. Coach Ingram said that uh, senior Sean Ratty and junior Nick Fernaki are still locking horns on that. And it's going to make baby come down to a game day decision as to who's going to be the starter there. But he expects them both to play quite a bit. Um, so you can, ex- you know, whichever of those two guys that does not win the left guard position, you can expect them to roll in as a backup um, guard quite often. Um, Coach Ingram also had nice things to say about the backup center. Um, he said that Pierce Banbury that's looking good is Justin Sells' backup and. In fact, looks so good that they're going to try to get him some reps at guard if he's not going to see time at center. And he also said Bryce Texera will see time behind Nestrowitz at right guard. So, you know, they're rebuilding the offensive line, but Coach Ingram is very confident in the unit and feels they will be a, a, a strength of Navy football this season yeah and and I
0: think that's you know let the good times roll from last year. It was obviously a very good a very good uh unit and and obviously one that they're going to need to rely on in order to you know to to get that running game going with a new quarterback. The pressure is on them, so um let's go ahead and uh quickly pivot because one of our guests has joined, and we'd like to get his perspective on this offensive line and as it's game week. Uh, we, you know, we definitely want to hear from the voice of Navy football, and that is Mr. Pete Medhurst, who is uh, now our return guest. Thank you very much for for joining back in. We know you have a radio hit coming up, so we'll get right to it. What is your feeling as we lead up to uh, Monday night? I don't really have one
3: uh, because we haven't been able to watch him practice. We know the returning players, and as we often discuss, Ivan Jasper always has the next quarterback ready, and uh, we believe that. You know, Dalen Morris has won the job, and Dalen will be able to uh, do the job because Ivan Jasper is not going to put somebody out there that can't play. I think what this does, though, they have as good a wide receiver core as they've had in some time. And I'm not sitting here saying they're going to throw it 10, 12 times a game. But I would not be surprised to see this team throw more on first down um, and try to break some tendencies because Morris can throw the ball. He's got people that can go get the ball. And frankly, they've got one of the best wide receivers in the league in Michael Cooper, and even though statistically by the end of the year, analytics won't indicate that because of the number of catches, but look how effective those catches are. Look where those catches are made. How many yards per catch? Because I think that's a weapon you have to try and use uh, right now. They've got three or four guys that can go get the football, and I'm looking forward to the defense. I mean, the defense got a number of guys returning that took snaps last year. It's the second year under Brian. A Newberry and the kids, everyone we've talked to seems extremely excited about what they can expand now on their package, just as the offense has been able to expand theirs in the past.
1: I kind of agree with you on the passing because also Ryan Mitchell is a very talented receiver, and we're hearing them talk about Jamal Carruthers averaged 26 yards per catch last season and how can we incorporate him into the passing game. But do you think this is about utilizing Dalen Morris's talents? I mean, We've seen Dalen Morris in practice, and he looks like a drop-back passer. He's a big, tall, sturdy guy, and he throws a nice ball. Is that what this is about, utilizing, you know, playing to the strengths of Dalen Morris? I don't think there's
3: any question about that. You go back and watch – I mean, I I remember when Ivan and I watched his uh, tape, his high school tape, before he ever committed to Navy. And, I mean, he threw 170 yards on a line to a guy for a touchdown. I mean, this kid can flat out. Chuck the pill couldn't believe with all those schools that are in the state of Alabama, somebody uh, didn't try to lure him away. Obviously, he's going to benefit from getting a great education and a degree that's going to put his resume at the top of anybody's list. Um, you know, if he goes out in the civilian world after uh, his service uh, to the country. But you know, Jamel Carruthers, Joe and I went back and looked at his high school tape, and if you go back and look at his high school tape, a lot of the big plays he made catching the football. I mean, a kid can flat out run in the open field. Uh, He's got the hands, and I think a lot of the things we saw in the past that they did with an Alex Teach out of that position, who could catch the ball uh, and was was very good uh, in in that spot. I think you're going to see them try to do the same thing with uh, with Jamel because he's a playmaker, and you get your playmakers the football any way that you can. And let's face it, the tendency is they think you're giving it to him on the mesh every time when or the pitch play from time to time, but quite frankly, again, break tendency by utilizing him on first down uh, in the passing game, and you really give the defense a lot of things to have to prepare for
2: I think Pete's right on there um i he reminded me that I'm eager to watch um the newberry d and, and see if they keep that sort of aggressive swarm the ball thing going on you know that that was. Successful last year, you need really fast, agile linebackers to make it work. Um, so uh, I think what we're hearing here uh, is there's a lot of intangibles going into this thing, you know. And and this is really going to be an eye opener uh, in terms of what is the product that shows up on both teams. Like Wag said, you wouldn't want to be in BYU's position coming out of uh, sort of quarantine into an away game as your as your opener. Um, so, Pete. Uh, what do you think we're gonna, you're going to be seeing from your point of view that's going to be strange and, and, you know, with no fans and et cetera, et cetera? Or are you just going to try to keep focused and, and try to make it a normal experience for the listener?
3: Well, I think you have – the game is the game. Uh, that's the, the ultimate. Obviously, you touch in the beginning, you, the, one of the storylines is the fact that there's no fans and COVID and preparation has been different for both teams uh, leading up to this. Uh, BYU with a huge injury losing Matt Bushman at tight end. That guy would have been a nightmare. Uh, matchup for the mids tight ends always have been for some reason and this guy's an NFL player and he would have been unbelievable uh, problem on Monday night Uh, unfortunately the Achilles injury now has him out for BYU and that throws a another pothole in their preparation right before the game and certainly uh, from a defensive standpoint for Navy you you do take a deep breath knowing that Bushman uh, is not going to be out there. But, you know, I mean, you hit the storylines, you talk about, you know, I mean, actually, COVID's unavoidable. You have to talk about it, at least from the standpoint that the kids have had to prepare a little bit differently and there's no fans there and they've got to bring their own energy. But everyone that we've talked to, and Bill can tell you, everyone that we've talked to says they don't think it'll be a problem bringing their own energy once that ball is kicked off and it's a football game because they often tell you they try to block some of that stuff out when there's 40, 50, 60, 70,000 people, depending on, What stadium we're playing in? So um, I think the kids are just going to be excited to play a football game. And from from you know Joe's and Keith's and my standpoint, Scott Wyckoff, we're just going to it's it's another game once the game gets kicked off. And and that's ultimately what the listener cares about: who's got the ball, where are they going, uh, and and who wins. That's all they care about once the competition starts.
0: So for you, Pete, um, have have you guys been told of anything special you'll have to do? Less producers, less sound guys, less. Statis- statisticians. I mean, you, you've usually been, for football and especially for basketball, almost a one-man show, um, with no disrespect to Mike Erie, But you do a lot of stuff on your, on your own. Are you guys going to have to do it with a reduced staff? Do you have to take multiple tests? H- how's your prep going for that?
3: For us, it's status quo. Uh, same booth uh, for me and Joe and Johnny Goldsmith, our engineer. Uh, Keith will have limited access around the stadium uh, as our sideline guy. But uh, for us, we just basically can't have a temperature of 100 or more uh, when we come in the building on Monday uh, and, and we're good to go because we're not coming in contact with the players. We're not going to be down on the field or anything like that. So uh, from that standpoint, it's not quite as drastic for us as it would be anybody that's involved on the field and, and with the team. So, and, and quite frankly, I'm happy about that. Every time somebody's you know, shot my forehead with that ther- thermometer, man, 98.7, buddy, I'm ready to go.
1: Hey, Pete, is Keith Mills going to be on the sideline? He will have access to the sideline,
3: limited capacity, uh basically where the photographers are, the end zone area and stuff like that. And and obviously he can, you know, he can look for different angles to watch the game from, up in the stands or even up and around Jaeger Pavilion and things of that nature. Ironically, Jaeger Pavilion's where we're gonna call the road games from uh, this season with a big TV in there. Uh, so uh, that's gonna be a unique experience. But you know, in terms of that. You know, for us, I mean, it's broadcast once the game starts. It really is.
1: And Scott Wyckoff will do a pregame show. Wiley Baker is usually out there in the parking lot doing interviews. But what, what are they going to have Wiley Baker doing? Great question. <laughs> you know, I
3: mean, it's different for everybody. It, it really is, Bill. I mean, it, it's it's different for you all in terms of your coverage, the access that, you know, normally you get, that I get. We show up at practice around 4.30 you know, we can talk to any player we want. We can watch practice. Unfortunately, none of that has occurred this year because of this terrible virus and what it's caused us and the, you know, obvious inconvenience that it's become for a lot of people from their health standpoint. And in this case, you can understand why Navy uh, wants to keep their kids in a bubble because they want to play all 11 games for those kids if they can get them all in. The biggest question is going to be is when they go other places. So that's, you know, we haven't heard of any disasters coming out of the Central Arkansas Austin P game from last Saturday, and you're hoping post-game testing this week goes well for both teams because as long as that happens, we've got a chance to actually play this football season. And the kids have all talked about the discipline they have to have, and I truly believe that our kids certainly are going to do their part um, to make sure they play as many games as possible.
0: Thanks for that, Pete. And we'll let you go do your day job. But before you go, really quick, what is your prediction? What's the what's the uh, result going to be Monday night?
3: You know, I think the Bushman injury really throws a wrinkle into BYU offensively. But man, they got some horses up front, both offensively and defensively. the The critical thing is just going to be Dalen settling into the position. In my mind, if he does, you know, history tells us, you know, John that that this this train just gets rolling again and. BYU is a hell of an opponent, though, to get it started with. But that's why you come to the Naval Academy. You come to the Naval Academy to play great people on national TV. And, you know, even that second game now is going to be on ABC. So what a plus uh, for the Navy football program. They're going to get all this national exposure right now to show even more people what this product has been able to do uh, for years and years. Everything that we know, a lot more people now nationally are going to be able to see that this year.
0: There's no way we could have said it better. So thank you again, Pete Medhurst, the voice of Navy football. Voice of Navy Sports, and, uh, and we look forward to having you on as the season goes on to break this down more. Thank you again for joining Second Sports.
3: My pleasure. Appreciate what you guys do for the program. Thank you.
0: Well, no one says it better than Pete Medhurst. We look forward to talking to him again in the future. We're going to hit the break, and when we come back, we have a great interview with one of the new tri-captains, offensive lineman Billy Honaker. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
4: You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Second. That's at We Second. Now back to the pod.
5: All right, we're back. And
0: it's time to feature one of our athletes uh, this week leading up to the BYU game. And who better to feature than one of the newly announced tri-captains, Billy Honaker, the starter at right tackle. Uh, Billy is a 2016 graduate of Samuel Clements High School in Schertz, Texas. And he started all 13 games last year, was part of a great offensive line. And he talks to uh, reporters this week in a uh, NAAA-sponsored Zoom call. Uh, and we pulled our uh, Q&A from uh, questions that both Wags and I asked Billy uh, during that presser. I
1: guess t- talk a little bit about what it means to you. Um, you know, just to, I mean, it's a long road to being a senior and to be s- selected as one of three captains is quite an honor.
6: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, you know, like you said, it's a great honor. I feel honored that my teammates, you know, selected me to be the team captain and obviously I don't take it lightly. Like I want to be, you know, everything they see in me, I want to, you know, continue that and just try and help lead this team and continue the success that we have last year.
1: You feel that you Cameron and Jackson have a nice rapport and can work well as captains together.
6: Absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously we've been together since plebe years since they didn't go to naps with me, but um, like, we're all really good friends and, I respect them just as much as, you know, the rest of the team respects them. So I think that we have a good dynamic and that we'll be able to, you know, figure things out and lead the team to the best of our ability.
1: Jackson was telling us yesterday about the motto of kind of pay the rent or whatever it was. Uh, Can you kind of talk about what that means to you, Billy?
6: So to me, I mean, especially like for an offensive lineman, you know, obviously the rent being due every day, you got to come and go to work. And build up those, you know, every day we pay rent and pay rent and pay rent. And then at the end of the week, we get the, the goal or the, you know, the reward of playing in a football game. And the goal is to win that in order to win, you got to have built up enough rent to, you know, pay it all off. And so every day come to work, grind it out, grind it out. And then hopefully we've done enough that at the end of the week, we can pull out a win.
1: Last for me for now, um, Last season, was the offensive line was just spectacular. I mean, if you look at the numbers and the rushing yardage, you'd have to say it was one of the best offensive lines in triple option era. Um, That's a high bar to try to meet. Um, I know you want to push this group to try their best to do as well, but can you kind of just talk about that, Billy, and your responsibility for trying to help develop this offensive line to a level that it clears the way for as much
6: yardage as you gained last season? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, I'll I'll say that last year's offensive line was definitely the best. Um, it wasn't because of, you know, me or anything and obviously having Malcolm and all the guys, all the A-backs, our A-backs are so deep, especially, you know, last year. Um, those guys definitely made our job easy, but, and the fullbacks. Um, but, you know, guys like Dave and Kenny and Ford, I mean... They're hard to replace, you know, just as hard as it is to replace Malcolm. But, um, you know, I think that when the season gets going, once we get some games and stuff, obviously, because I remember my first game, and my first game was against Holy Cross, whereas these guys, the, you know, the guys who have never started a football game, they have to come in and start against a very good opponent in BYU. So I know the nerves are going to be there, and it's going to take, you know, maybe a couple weeks for them to get that confidence about them. But hopefully, you know, I can help them. You know understand the the pace of the game and find that confidence a little bit sooner, hopefully, and then hopefully um, we can try and match that success from last year. Obviously, like you said, it's gonna be extremely difficult, but the guys that we have, especially you know from the beginning of camp to now not having spring to work on that, um, I've seen the guys, the young guys like Nick Bernaki and Pierce and Luca and Kurt and Sean, like they've all really, you know, I've seen a lot of growth from them over just the past couple of weeks. So that's really encouraging. And I would say that coaching room and coach work would say the same thing. Obviously we still make mistakes. I mean, you're never going to be perfect when it comes down to football. Football is a super hard game to play, but we, I think we definitely have the pieces to, you know, find success.
0: Hey, Billy, uh, John Schofield from sing second sports podcast. So one of the responsibilities incumbent on the captain or the tri captains, but you know you, you being one of them, um, is to help with team chemistry. Can you talk a little bit about how hard the chemistry has been? Being that you were all apart and at home for the for the second semester last year, it was a summer kind of unlike any other. No summer cruises, um, and now a very unique school year. Um, how is the chemistry on the team with all of these new variables and what? What kind of tools do you have in your tool bag that, that you plan to utilize as a captain in order to keep everyone on the same page and focused?
6: Um, I think the you know the unique thing about playing at the service academies is that usually um, it's older guys who actually end up playing. Uh, a lot of young guys don't get you know the opportunity just because it's so it's so much work to try and balance everything that we go through at school and then especially on offense learning the offense and actually having a good, under- good enough understanding to actually play so the advantage we have there is that, you know, all the first class have been together for a long time. And now we've been with the second class for going on three years. So we all have really good relationships together. Um, but I would say, you know, that coach Neumann did a good job of planning, like the, the Google meets and all that stuff. So we had interactions all summer. Um, and then we've been back for a while and obviously out on the field, you know, we're able to interact with each other. So, I don't worry too much about that per se. Um, so, but I guess for me, ways that I can help that is just kind of, you know, when we're, when we are together, just trying to find ways and working with the other captains and trying to plan ways that we can have bonding moments together and stuff. Um, like on the weekends, when we have little events with the team together or when after practice, like coaches try to create a little bit of a locker room environment. Like after practice, you know, we just hang out on the field. Um, obviously, it doesn't match, you know, that in locker room environment because that's one of the best things about playing football, just having the guys in locker room cracking jokes and stuff. Um, but I think that we're we're creating ways to create that that bonding environment on the team.
0: Nice. Um, quick follow-up, uh, going from that to kind of a more tactical focus of the game. You know, you, you probably spend a lot of the offseason getting ready or mentally for Notre Dame. Um, you find out a little late in the game that it's BYU, and now you've got to kind of study up and get ready for, you know, what's presumably a four-man front. Uh, Tonga, El Bakri, Zach Daw. Like, you know, what, what can you say about, like, the, the D-line? Uh, for BYU that you're going to face on Monday night, that, that kind of catches your attention. You know, what are you guys going to need to focus on? What's your you know what's your uh, focus going in uh, based on you know how big and and athletic that that front four is going to be?
6: I mean, the thing that I've learned here, um, especially you know over the course of last year, is that going into the games we we guess a lot about what they're going to do, and then a lot of times they don't end up doing what we think they're going to do. Um, <laughs> So we just kind of, that's the good thing about us actually knowing our rules and our responsibilities. Uh, And then once we go into the game, the play gets called and we just carry out what we're supposed to do. Um, As for the defensive line. I mean, it's the same thing that we're going to face every week. You know, we're always, we're undersized. We're going to be slower, maybe weaker, you know, so we know they're, they're really big guys. They're going to be fast. They're going to be strong. So for us, it's just about, carrying out you know what we, we're coached to do every single day, You know, getting our second step down, tight hands, um, punching. So as long as we execute the way that we're coached to execute, we'll, it, the rest will take care of itself.
0: Uh, last question, if I can. Unique game in that the brigade's not going to be in there. I'm sure you've been hearing from your classmates about them not being able to attend the game. You know, what message do you have for the brigade for how they can support you leading up to this very unique experience where they're not going to be able to be there um and you're going to be playing
6: in a pretty quiet stadium it's definitely going to be very strange nothing that i mean i've really experienced i guess i have experienced a little bit of naps we didn't really play in front of anybody but um you know coming from texas every week we were playing in front of big crowds and then every week you know here at navy uh there's a big crowd so it's gonna be weird for us but as far as the brigade helping us obviously you know like it's going to be nationally televised. It's going to be on ESPN, so they can all tune in. And but then before the game, and you know, they see their football friends walk and just you know wish them luck and you know let them know that they're going to be watching it. You know, they they're going to be rooting for us. Um, but I think it it's definitely going to be weird. It's going to be different um, because one of the best things about football is you know breaking that long run and hearing the the crowd erupt. So we're going to be missing that as- aspect. But BYU is also missing it. So it's just about us bringing our own energy and bringing our own juice and getting the job done. Thanks, Billy. Go get him Monday. Appreciate it. Thank you.
3: All right.
0: Great conversation with uh, Billy Honecker there. Um, really, we're excited to see what Billy can do in order to you know, provide that leadership in a very unique time uh, for a very unique football season. So it's a great opportunity for him. And he certainly sounds like he's up to the task. So stick with us. We're going to head to break. Okay. This is Sing second sport.
4: You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod.
0: All right, we're back and. As part of our coverage leading up to the BYU game, thank goodness uh, football is back. Uh, but we're trying to get as much information on the opponent as possible. And so we are talking to Jay Drew. Uh, Jay covers BYU football for the Salt Lake Tribune. After graduating from the University of Utah, the proper side, you know, the red side, I, I attended the University of Utah for a semester. Um, Jay joined the Tribune staff in 1989 as a newsroom assistant the sports department in 1990 and has been working there ever since spearheading the newspaper's high school sports coverage before moving into management. And then in 2005, uh, Jay went back to writing and has covered BYU sports ever since. Jay, thank you so much for bringing, uh, bringing your insight and expertise to the sync second Sports Podcast. How are you doing today?
7: Doing real well. Just getting excited to hop on a plane and come out to Maryland in uh, this Saturday. So looking forward to it. Awesome. So, first question for me before I kick it over to Ward, um,
0: covering you know covering the the team as as much as you have, how debilitating is the Bushman injury? And we've been talking about uh, the injury to to you know really a, a, a pro caliber tight end. You know, some comparing him to a TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant type of talent. Um, yeah, you know, the, the ruptured Achilles, how much is that gonna hurt them on Monday night?
7: Yeah, it's huge. It's hard to understate. They've built this whole offense around him and his talents and kind of persuaded him to come back and forego the NFL draft for his senior season. And uh they've been saying, you know, we're gonna put everything around him. He's a he's kind of a generational talent for BYU and uh all American Canada and not having him is, is going to be huge, not just for the Navy game, but for the whole season. They've literally built this offense around his talents.
2: So, Jay, um, how has the team done with practice in the COVID environment? We've made some comments of uh, how Navy has managed. How has BYU uh, come through this? What, what do you think the quality of the product's going to be on the field?
7: I think they've handled it pretty well. BYU is an independent, so they've – basically been full systems go for uh, for months now, planning on playing even as a lot of games dropped off their schedule. So they've kind of got a head start, I think, on a lot of teams. They started uh, working out together uh, way back on June 1st. Uh, they had opened camp on August 4th and, and uh, they don't release any of their COVID numbers, their results, because they're a private school and that's kind of a cause for consternation around here a little bit. So I can't really tell you specifically how many players have had to sit out for a while or anything. But everything I've heard is that they've taken all the precautions and they're pretty much ahead of schedule uh, for for the opener.
2: So have you had uh, access to practices as normal or has that been cut off?
7: Yeah, that's been cut off. We haven't... Uh, I, like I said, I live in the uh, Salt Lake area. I haven't been to Provo in five months, even though I cover BYU basketball and football. That's just because they've shut everything off, no visitors on campus, anything like that. So every, all the interviews we do is via Zoom uh, with the coaches and players.
2: So how has BYU been able to cobble together uh, a season? Now, the, the Navy game was a, let's just called a last-minute substitution for us losing Notre Dame Uh, you mentioned that you guys are an independent Uh, how how is the season coming together with respect to number of games and quality of opponents
7: yeah it's been crazy they had they lost 10 games 10 opponents that they were going to play mostly in the Pac-12 the Big Ten the Mountain West Uh, and then uh, they slowly rebuilt adding Navy was kind of the coup the big one for them they added Army. They play Army on the 19th out there in uh, in New York. Uh, and then they've gotten a lot of teams from the Conference USA, a lot of teams out of Texas. So right now they have eight games scheduled. They're still looking to get four more if possible.
0: So Jay, I don't know if you've ever been to Mikey Stadium up there at West Point, but you, you certainly have... If there's a silver lining of of the COVID pandemic, it's the fact that you're gonna to get to see two incredible venues uh, for a sporting event, Navy Marine Corps Stadium in Annapolis, and Annapolis itself, um, absolutely gorgeous. But uh, Mikey Stadium, I can tell you from personal experience, particularly in the autumn and September 19th might be a little early for the foliage change, but an absolutely amazing venue. Have you ever seen a game at Army before?
7: No, I haven't seen that. I haven't been to either venue. Really looking forward to it. Uh, I, BYU has wanted to schedule Navy and Army for years and years. Even back when Bronco Mendenhall was the coach, uh, he obviously went to Virginia about ten years or about five years ago. But uh, this, these are basically dream come true for for BYU fans and BYU's administration. They've really, sure. really wanted to get these teams on the schedule, and they want to get Air Force back on the schedule too after leaving the Mountain West in 2011. That hasn't happened yet, but uh, but they can they can certainly keep trying. You know, um, last question from me before I kick it over to Ward. Um,
0: so we talked about the impact to the offense, which you've characterized as, as definitely significant with the loss of Bushman where do you think the key is on defense uh you know you haven't played air force in about 10 years um you know who do you think is the key to uh byu successfully stopping a triple option offense particularly one that has a new variable uh, written into it which is a passing capable quarterback in dalen smith you know who, who's the key on that side of the ball to uh to bring byu success <laughs>
7: Yeah, a lot of people around here think it's a nose tackle. Uh, Kyrus Tonga, he's probably the second best player on the team behind Matt Bushman, who we talked about. Uh, he's really, he's a huge, like a mammoth uh, defensive tackle, nose guard. is a real great run stopper. And uh, they think if they can kind of take away that fullback dive, that they've got the speed on the edges and they've got the discipline to to basically... You know, stay with Navy. Obviously, they haven't seen this. The defensive coordinator at BYU has never faced a option attack. Uh, a guy named Elisa Tuiaki. Um, fortunately for BYU, the head coach Kalani Sitake was the defensive coordinator at Utah, so he's he's seen it when they played Navy in the bowl game out in the, out in San Diego. I think it was seven eight years ago, and uh, and obviously when they played Air Force in the Mountain West, so. They they've seen a little bit of it, but but just that unknown and that unfamiliarity with it is is probably the biggest uh, the biggest question mark for BYU.
2: Well, that Jay, what you just said reminds me about a bowl game. The first ever Holiday Bowl was my plebe year at the Naval Academy, nineteen seventy eight, and Navy beat BYU in San Diego um, way back when. Shows you how old I am.
7: <laughs> but, I think um, Phil McConkey returned a pump for a touchdown, didn't he? He that, did. He that did. That was kind yeah. of a big play. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and then later went on to the Giants and was on the Super Bowl team there um, after flying helicopters for a few years in the Navy. So you you mentioned the triple option in passing. What, what else are you looking at for Navy in terms of the scouting report?
7: Yeah, I think uh, – it's interesting. BYU doesn't have a lot of film on the Navy quarterback. He's although he's a senior, it doesn't look like he's had a lot of uh, film out there. So talking to the defensive coordinator, they're not really sure what, what he brings, but I think mo- mainly they think with Navy, it's just the precision and the execution and just the scheme and how they run it so efficiently that BYU is worried about BYU is really worried about ball control that, that, Navy will just eat up the clock that this vaunted BYU offense won't get the ball very often. And uh, and so that's one of their huge concerns is just uh, obviously the strength of this BYU team is its offense, but they might not be able to show that if they can't get, get uh, the midshipmen off the field occasionally.
2: Well, we look forward to showcasing Annapolis for you. It looks like we have some great weather dialed up. Um, it's got awfully humid right now, but it's supposed to go down for Labor Day. Um, so I have a safe trip out here. John mentioned that his experience in Utah as a high schooler and freshman. Um, before the show, I mentioned that I've never been to Utah, but I have bombed it uh, in an F-14 on the Hill Air Force Base ranges. So uh, great ranges at Hill Air Force Base. That's about all I can say about uh, about Utah, but thanks for for uh, giving us your perspective, Jay, and uh, maybe we'll even get to meet meet you in person on the sidelines on on Monday.
7: Yeah, I uh, hope so. I think they're going to quarantine us to the press box, but uh, and do all our interviews via Zoom. But uh, it'll still be a thrill to be out there. So look forward to it. I
0: think I'll be in the press box, so I'll be looking forward to sharing uh, stories of Sandy, Utah, and and believe me, if we happen upon Ward, uh, you know, I, I I don't think he'll be uh, he'll be dropping any bombs. So uh, very safe <laughs> travels uh, out here,
2: and <laughs> my, my bomb dropping days are over. well figuratively Um, they were inert those were not live it was not live ordinance
0: (laughs) well jay thank you so much for taking the time giving us a little bit of your perspective on this game safe travels out to annapolis and ward's right you are walking into like an idyllic uh almost autumn uh weather scene out here which is which is really the only way to see annapolis so thank you for coming on good luck to the cougars let's just hope that everyone uh, gets through this game healthy uh, with no problems and, and here's to having football back. It's a, it's a great feeling. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on today. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. That was Jay Drew of the Salt Lake Tribune. We are going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. The Sing Second Sports podcast is brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Spirits. Located in downtown Annapolis and owned and operated by Jen and Jerry Donahoe, class of 1994 at the U.S. Naval Academy. Mills is excited to announce the semi-annual sale, starting Labor Day through Sunday, September 13th. You can save on mixed cases of wine for a discount of 25%. You can get 20% off all spirits and 15% off all beer. You can also get other discounts on low stock items. Call 410-263-2888 or text in order to get more information or place an order or you can email mills at info at millswine.com. Again, that addresses info at millswine.com or just check them out online at millswine.com. The semiannual sale is amazing. So check it out. Okay. We are back here at Sing Second Sports. What a fantastic uh, episode today. This was a really great conversation, not only expanding the net, to talk to Jay Drew from the Salt Lake Tribune about uh, what we can expect to see on Monday night from BYU, but also the conversation with Billy Honecker, the new tri-captain, and really getting that breath of fresh air evaluation from Pete Medhurst. Chris, I know you were kind of struck by what he was talking about. It is very interesting how, how each segment of uh, the football family is approaching this first game, uh, The the kind of level of ignorance people have uh, we just don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we're going to see. And uh, and it was really refreshing hearing
5: from Pete on that. It's kind of twofold, right? On one hand, I mean, you are super excited, super jazzed, ready to go. I I, I mean, I cannot wait for Monday to get here. But on the other hand, there's a little bit of nerves and a little bit of butterfly, uh, even from the fan standpoint. Because as you said, we, we don't know what we don't know. I mean, the mids haven't hit. In practice, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of faith in, uh, in Coach Ken and uh, in the coordinators. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, those first, uh, those first couple plays are going to be like, uh, you know, in a prize fight where the two fighters kind of, you know, dance around in the middle of the ring to feel each other out. Um, so I think we're going you know, it'll take until like the second quarter until we really start to see the, the football that we're used to. Yeah, I uh
0: I have no idea what to expect. I mean, we've now had, I think, three college football games. I think South Alabama and Southern Miss uh kind of headlined um, you know, the the big g- games last night, you know, as we as we released this pod on Friday. Um, but I, I I I can't get a good sense from those games what the atmosphere is like. Uh not not to say that those teams are small time, but you know, I do believe that this is you know, the prize of ESPN's debut week of uh, college football or else they wouldn't have Kirk Street and Reese Davis doing it. So it'll be, it, it'll be a show. So on that note, um, you know, as we talk about what fans can expect, uh, Chris, I know that you and I are both incredibly excited to be in downtown Annapolis on Monday um, for our virtual tailgate, our happy hour that We traditionally would do in the parking lot, but this year have
5: to do in a different way. So how are we going to do it? Yeah, so uh, as you've mentioned a couple times, from 6 to 7 on Monday evening, uh, we will be on Facebook Live. So if you go to the Sing Second Sports Facebook page uh, or follow the link that we'll put out across our social media channels, um, you'll be able to see an hour pregame, hour tailgate show, as you said, from Dryity 5. Uh, and so, you know, kind of recreating the types of conversations that uh, that we would have during a tailgate. Uh, there'll be some fun conversations. There'll be some game breakdown conversations. Uh, I'm sure we'll sample the uh, cocktail of the week uh, in the in the BYOC uh, that is brought to us by Dry Eighty Five. And uh, you know, it's the the little thing that we can do to try to get Navy fans ready. Um, before they uh, settle into their uh, y- you know their couch or their lazy boy uh, instead of into their their seats at Navy Marine Corps,
0: yeah, and uh, I think what you never get uh, with those conversations out in the parking lot and the thing that will make this interesting and we hope uh, enjoyable for for the listeners is that we'll also have guests you know we're going to be bringing some uh, some ghosts of Navy football past um, hopefully some some pretty high level guests uh, in the uh, Navy and BYU alumni family. So we're we're really excited about how this is shaping up. Um, you know, I, I believe the interviews will will provide that context that people might might want a little bit before the game. Uh, and then you know, come 7 p.m. they can they can tune into the ESPN pregame or any other live stream. So a uh, great way to get it started. That BYOC that you referenced. So good. A little play off the brown derby. And uh you can get those accoutrement, as I like to say, at uh Mills, Fine Wine and Spirits. Uh they'll have everything you need from that uh from that ingredient list to make it at home, or you can stop them to dry 85, either during the virtual tailgate from six to seven to say hello to us, uh, or uh, drop in there and pick up the to uh, the little to-go baggies. They are $12 each and six for $65, which is an awesome way to just get your cocktails at home, get all of them together, pay one price, and then all you got to do is pour it on ice. So um, this is going to be a fun time.
4: And John, uh, we've mentioned a number of times uh, during our commercial break about the uh, mills sale that uh, will kick off on Monday. Uh, make sure that uh, when you go in and you uh, you stock up during this sale, please make sure to mention the Sing Second podcast. Uh, we've uh, dropped off some gifts and if you mention the podcast, they'll uh, be happy to hand you a Sing Second koozie, uh, so that your beer or beverage of choice doesn't get warm. Uh, even though the weather is getting a little cooler, we want to make sure that uh, we keep your uh, your cocktails and your beers uh, n- nice and cold. Uh, but mention the podcast. They'll uh, they'll give you uh, that koozie. That and uh, as you said, I mean, this is an incredible sale. And uh, if you're a Navy fan, you should get down there to not only support Uh, a great Annapolis business, but uh, take advantage of some really good uh, discounts.
5: The last thing I'll say is I think you sold yourself a little short. I feel like this six to seven hour is the ideal, or uh, should I say, is the classic John Schofield tailgate. I mean, you always (laughs) have, I mean, the who's who of Navy athletics in Annapolis. And so I feel like we are recreating as close as we can. Uh, to what a tailgate would be with, uh, with John Schofield. We've got <laughs> the potential for Mike Heary. We've got, as you said, athletes for, from um, you know, from Navy football past. We'll have some Annapolitans show up. Um, so, yeah, I am super excited uh, to, uh, to be a part of it, John. Yeah, it's going to be great. And anyone who knows knows that no
0: tailgate isn't, is complete without uh, both the music and the voice of uh navy basketball color commentator mike here so that'll be fun um so again check out our social media uh for the drink of the week uh the cocktail of the week uh specials uh please stop in at dry 5 and and help out in an annapolis small business during the pandemic uh to help us celebrate the return of navy football against byu so Until the next time when we bring you the review of what hopefully is a big Navy victory on Monday, I'm John Schofield and for our producer, Chris Cervello, we are the Sing Second Sports team. We'll see you next week. Out.
4: The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter play-by-play calls from the Navy radio network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.